are only 10 days from Christmas. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so time is moving so quickly. I'm glad you're here. Um, We are going to celebrate baptisms this morning after I share some good news from God's Word today. And so we're excited for all of you who are going to be baptized in this service and some in the next service as well. This is a good day to acknowledge that we need what Jesus brings, you know? So in our kind of our self-made, self-help, self-centered world in which we live, it's good to take some time to think about, like, no, we actually need some help, right? And what a good breakthrough it is for each one of us when we come to the place where we just kind of say to God, uh, God, I really need you, all right? And so my prayer for all of us today is that we will uh, be captivated by the reality of Jesus and what he has brought to us and recognize that in Jesus Christ we are just receiving boatloads of love from God. And this gift uh, just keeps on, as it is said, you know, giving and giving and giving so that we can experience more of God in our lives, which we all need. I don't know about you, but I've discovered over my in my life, I don't need more of me, right? I don't need more of me. And I'm really happy for you, but I probably don't need just more of you, right? Um, except my wife, of course, yeah. But I would say that we need more of what God is bringing us in Jesus Christ. So today in the baptism, uh, there's a prayer that um, that have has been reviewed with, with these who are going to be baptized. It talks about, like, we renounce the old and where we say, you know, that we just completely, we're shutting the door to, to the past and we're opening our lives to the future and what God has brought to us. And so any way in which Satan has claimed ownership over us or any way in which we are just carrying on the sins of generations before us, we're actually declaring that broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we are now entering through his forgiveness into our lives, into new possibilities, into a new way of actually living out our lives in the love of God, and learning how to love others as Christ has loved us. So we've been talking about this whole matter of mysteries, mysteries that matter. And you know, the whole thing about Jesus. I mean, seriously. I mean, that's a mystery. I mean, not everybody, we, nobody can figure that all out. It has been revealed to us. It's something declared about this person, Jesus, who was born, like in a manger, like a cradle, like in a, you know, an animal stall, and how he went on to die a death on a cross and then for us, and then was raised from the dead for us, and now lives somehow mysteriously for us today. So there are, there are mysteries that matter, right? And we're just declaring that this is a mystery, and it matters, okay? I can't explain it all fully. I've been studying this a long time, been living in this a long time, and you know what? It still remains a mystery, but that's some, there's something really beautiful about the mystery. Something beautiful about being caught up in the worship and deciding to move toward the worship of, of God who has loved you so much in His Son, Jesus Christ. Today we just want to focus on uh, the mystery of His healing wounds. This, the mystery of the healing wounds of this child who will become a man who will die on a cross for us. You may think in a way that this is a little bit of a weird 
Uh, shouldn't this be reserved for Easter, right? For Good Friday? And yet, as we have in the symbols, combine the symbols of the cradle and the cross, there's a real significance in this coupling of cradle and cross that we find early in the story of Jesus. For instance, uh, in, you know, Joseph, here he is, you know, he's going to marry, he's engaged to be married to this woman named Mary. Um, and it's discovered that she's pregnant, which is, this was not a good thing, right, in those days, or even these days. And there was a dream that Joseph had in which an angel appeared to him. And so in Matthew uh, chapter 1, in the dream, the angel says, you are to give him the name Jesus, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. There's mystery. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And then there's this little piece, because he will save his people from their sins. So already you begin to go, well, I wonder what that means, right? He will save his people from their sins. Because if you were a Jew during those days, you would understand that if there's going to be any saving from sins, there had to be the sacrifices that would, would then, then allow you to receive the forgiveness of God. And then there is a person, a baby, in Mary's womb, Joseph learns, is to be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then later on, When they take eight-day-old Jesus after he was born, they take him into the temple to be dedicated to God. And so as they come into the temple, they're met by this man, this old man by the name of Simeon. And uh, Simeon sees the, the child, takes the child into his arms and, and begins to sing. And he says, like, in effect, today my eyes have seen your salvation. This is what I've been waiting for. And, you know, everybody's marveling at this, and, and, and Joseph and Mary are, like, amazed. And then, uh, and then he looks to them, and then he says to Mary, uh, Mary, uh, a sword is going to pierce your heart. Now, this child was destined for the rising and falling of many, he says, and uh, he will be a sign that will be spoken against, just the kind of things you love to hear when you're dedicating your children to God. Right, and a sword is going to pierce your heart also. I th- this is like <clears throat> seriously. <laughs> I thought this was you know silent night, you know nice little baby Jesus, and then all of a sudden it turns out to be like there's a real drama that's going to unfold through his life. So these these amazing disturbing words. So if you're a parent and you know you're bringing your children, you know it's just like. It's, it's got to be, it's got to like go, you know, what is going on, right? I, I remember when uh, the nurse showed up at the birth of our firstborn grandson like 17 years ago, and many, some, many of you remember it perhaps, but, um, you know, we were just rejoicing in his birth, Rover Good Sam, and the, you know, the birthing uh, maternity, you know, and here we are, this baby, first grandson is so exciting, and then like, just about six hours into the day, this observant nurse comes in and says, uh, we need to take him for some evaluation because she was noticing a discoloration at the tips of his fingers, which we didn't notice, which even when we looked to see, we didn't see, but her trained eyes just knew. And before the day was over, 
we knew that he had a completely malformed heart. Uh, he's still alive at 17 after open heart surgeries and so forth. So yay God for that one, right? But when we first heard that, you know, you know what? It was not like he could brush that off, right? It's not like you could say, oh, it's no big deal. You know, it happens all the time. Now, this doesn't happen all the time, but it is happening to you. So that's probably just like in a really small way what was going on in Mary and Joseph as they were hearing these words. See, really, what I want to do in, in bringing this together is to help us understand that, that our brokenness in this Christ child, our brokenness is met by his healing. How does this unfold? What, what's going to become of him? What's going to become of us? Peter, he was a follower of Jesus for the three years that Jesus was here, and then afterwards continued to be a leader in, uh, among, in the company of the followers of Christ that just really grew after the resurrection of Jesus. When Peter reflects on, on this connection between cradle and cross, what he says is this about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Just look at those words. I mean, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. By his wounds you have been healed. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned. By his wounds you have been healed. I look, um, you know, kind of into our stories. I think about the stories that we hear all the time. I mean, you know, you can look at it on the news. You can hear it just in the circles where, you know, where there's conversation in your life. And you're very aware that there's a lot of wounds, right? There's a lot of hurt in our world. A lot of brokenness. And really, you look at a lot of the brokenness, you go, well, come on. Can anything be done? Is there anybody to help? Like like one time in a uh, long time ago, 500 years before Jesus came, the prophet were men that generally, men and women, that generally kind of was listening for what God would have to say to the people and, and a lot of times speaking to God for the people and this one prophet by the name of Jeremiah, he looked at all the wounds around him, and he says, "Isn't isn't there isn't there any healing salve, even any healing balm, as he put it, for the wounds of my people?" And that's kind of like, if you really care about people, you you kind of don't brush aside all the all the woundings that you see in them, but you go, I mean, you know, you want to do something, right? And you see, and you, and and really, it's beyond us. And so you say, "Isn't there, isn't there any healing?" Well, well, the good news about our our time is that on these tiny shoulders, these these baby, this the tiny shoulders of this Jesus. Remember, it says in Isaiah that that a child will be born, a son given to us, and he'll have all these great names like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the government will be on his shoulders, this child on his shoulders. One of the things I 
oh man, when my kids were little, I, and my grandkids too, what I love is that when I'm like holding them, I don't know, there's just something about, I just love the little shoulders, you know what I'm talking about? Just, have you ever like cupped your hand around like the little infant shoulders? And you just go, oh, it's just like, oh, there's something in me that I just like, it's just so precious, right? And then all of a sudden you begin to realize that as the story plays out, these tiny shoulders will grow, he will grow up, a boy, a man, and, and then by the time he's 33 years of age, he will bear the sins on these shoulders. He will carry a cross on these shoulders, these shoulders, to be crucified. It's a, it's a big deal. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, um, bore our sins, Right? So if you want to talk about brokenness, which we are going to, it it really originates in this whole thing of separation, right? Separation from God, separation from one another. Even an estrangement from ourselves. We're like just broken. There's this this estrangement, this this disorientation, disintegration of our lives with God and with one another and and even with ourselves. So much confusion about like, what do we do? Who are we? Where do we go? And always trying to latch onto this and that other thing that promises us some kind of relief and hope. So that, this estrangement, this brokenness, that, that's, what, that's what he means by the, our sins, right? Um, and I know that's different than what a lot of times we're, we're led to believe. The common belief among us is that sins are just minor infractions and mere imperfections, you know. But, but actually, you know, in, in the view of of what God talks to us about in his son Jesus, they are, they're, more like, they're more like rebellions or the breaking of God's heart, not just the breaking of God's law. Like a lot of times we say, well, you know, don't sin, which means like don't break a law, don't do anything bad. But, but really it's a matter of breaking God's heart. Like, you know, I mean, you know, when people like have been estranged from you, it's not because they like, they, if you really felt it, it's not because they broke a rule. You broke a rule, right? It's not that. It's more like you broke my heart, <laughs> right? You, so it, because it's about relationships. Even with God, it's about relationships. And so it says here that he himself in his body on the cross bore our sins. Like he, a deep immersion for all of our sins, right? Not only the things we've done, but the habits that we have that, that by which we continue to like ignore God. And, you know, like we have habits of, of we forget God, right? Um, I mean, we make him irrelevant. We think, well, you know, maybe someday. <laughs> um, we have habits of unforgiveness and and ingratitude and fear going on in our lives. And, and look, Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Like on the cross here, right? And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned each to our own way. See, that's the ultimate of it all. I just kind of go my own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the rebellion of us all, right? And when he dies on the cross, he, he, it's, it's like an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Like it's a... Atoning means like it's a reconciling sacrifice. Like when he dies on the cross for our sins, he, in that act of death for us, 
provides the way for us to be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other and even reconciled to ourselves and performs a great a power move, right? He breaks the power of our sinfulness, the power of Satan who works against us and the power of evil in our world, This, the power of his death and resurrection. So by his wounds, we can be healed. We can be healed. Like we can be forgiven, right? And we can actually even be, we can even be healed in a lot of ways, right? We can be, we can be healed of, of many times our ailments within our, within our lives that are due to our anxiety and due to our fear and due to our unforgiveness and due to our bitterness. I mean, can you imagine what happens to a person's body when they carry around bitterness for years? What happens to a person in their, in their, when they have no peace? You know, you feel it in your body, right? It, it actually says through in Matthew chapter 8 in Jesus' ministry that, that, that he was actually carrying even our infirmities and our diseases you know, as he healed the lepers and set free those that were demon-possessed, and as he healed the sick, it says this was all to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he bore our diseases. And we learn that he comes with, like, so much, uh, he comes with so much compassion for us. He's like, this, like a, a bruised reed he will not break, right? And smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Like if he sees something that's suffering, he doesn't just like smash it, right? If he sees something that's going out, he doesn't just treat it with disregard. He is so tender that if your life feels like a bruised reed, right? A bruised, you know, um, a bruised plant. <laughs> if your life feels like that, or if you feel like you're a smoldering wick, right? With like... The only prospect is extinction, like the flame is going to go completely out. He'll have compassion on you. It's just beautiful, this powerful God. And he also comes and he, I love this verse that says this, and he will, he will heal our waywardness, right? Hosea 14, 4 says this, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. And this is what we see in Jesus. I will heal their waywardness. Uh, when, uh, you know, we've had four kids. So um, our third, our daughter, she was, um, uh, she was just this little girl at home and enjoyed being, um, you know, playing with her stuff and her dolls and, doing different things. And then she went off to Sispus, which is a camp for sixth graders. And when she came back, she like packed up all that, completely changed, and would not let my wife hug her as freely as she had before. In one week, she transformed from this little girl to this other thing. And we were like reeling, and we thought, what in the world has happened to our daughter? And, but I have good news. She came back around when she was 23. <laughs> well, then, a lot of years later, we had another little girl, right? And um, one time, Lynette told the story 
about Lindsay to Amy. How Lindsay came back and said, you know, and wouldn't let her hug her anymore. And Amy said, I will always let you hug me. So Lynette went and wrote it down and had her sign it. (laughs) True story. We have the document. We have the document. I will always let you hug me. I think that a lot of times, you know, sometimes like as children, you know how children are just like, you know, we're just moving along and maybe we may or may not know much about God, but there's still that tenderness and stuff. But then stuff happens in life, right? Stuff happens. I think that there's there's like this departure. And a lot of times we, we understand as parents because we like are, you know, made in God's image. And so the whole thing is, is that, we just we want this relationship to continue. We don't mind if it deepens. We don't mind if it changes somewhat, but we just we want it to deepen. We we but we have often well in fact all of us as it says we all like sheep have gone astray. All of us have we have all done that. Right? And I love what it says here. It says, I will heal their waywardness. And I think like this is really the big thing that God is is after, right? We think like, well, what do you want, God? Well, you know, I think God says, I just want I want your affection. I mean, this is a relationship. It's not like you know, it's not like he needs like God has this big it's it's like it's like what love needs. So he created us in love, from love and for love. He created us for this. And he just is like saying, you know, Will you let me heal your waywardness? And I tell you, we all have experienced that. Oh, my goodness, right? Some of us have been, like, to this point, still terminally wayward. But God is still providing this so that we can be renewed back to him. And some of us have been hot and cold over our lives. One moment in, one moment out, right? We know when when things are going uh, good, we're... We don't need God. When things are going bad, we need God, right? Or just the opposite. I've seen just the opposite too. Hey, God, how come you? How could you do this to me, right? And and then we we go wayward on Him. But I just love God because, like, when He looks at us, He just He just always is seeing what can be. He looks at us and He says, "I will," and this is what He does in Jesus. I will heal their waywardness. I will. And I will love them freely. I, I will mend. I will, I will sew it together, right? Their waywardness. I will, I will love them freely. The word love is just like, as it's used here, just, it just means to desire. I, will de- I, I desire them freely. I, I like long after them. My heart is inclined for them freely. I will heal their waywardness. Well, I just think... This mystery of our brokenness meeting his, you know, his healing wounds. I, I think one of the, one of the great um, gifts that God gives to us during this season is a reminder that he can heal that broken relationship that we have with him. And, and he can actually heal our broken hearts. And and he can restore us in ways that are just absolutely amazing and beautiful. 
I heard this song recently, and I'm, I'm just loving it. It says this. It's really entitled, Give Thanks for a Broken Heart. The words are, you see the scars I try to hide, every wound, a story I have cried. What I thought would take me under has led me back to you. Every time I feel I'm falling apart, I give thanks for a broken heart. And what is shattered you will mend. Every battle leaves us fragile, and fear comes in the night. And though at times it seems this weight of suffering may never depart, I give thanks for a broken heart. And you're the fortress where I'm safe, covering the moments where I break. You're the joy of a broken heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you for it all. I just love the piece that says, what I thought would take me under has led me back to you. What reason? For what reason is this healing? For for what reason is this gift? This saving? Cradle and cross, the child born, the man crucified. Right? For what reason? Oh man, it's in these last verses, or found in the verses of in that we read from Peter a few minutes ago. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. So that he might change the trajectory of our lives. Right? Now, I can't do that myself. I can't, can't do that by myself. This is, this is not David saying, okay, you know, I'm going to change. This is more like me surrendering to what God has done and saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm going to trust you to do this. I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to receive this gift, right? And also, by his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You were going astray, but now you've returned. So for what reason all of this? So that you might die to, to, to the practice of sin. of Just like, okay, just going my own way, doing my own stuff. Ignoring the relationship with God. Look, this is a change going on. Now I can live into this relation. That righteousness. Live into this relationship with God. Right? And I was going astray, but now I'm 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 returning. I have returned. And God's doing something brand new in me. I have this uh new friend. He's in his uh thirties. Um I, I just a, a great Catholic friend of mine and is so uh, so passionately in love with the Lord Jesus Christ that when we get together, it's like, um, it's, it's so much a joy just speaking about our relationship with Christ. And, um, and what he has, uh, Patrick is his name, and he, he told me that his hobby is, uh, is carving crucifixes, and he's doing several of them this Christmas season. And and so he says, just like such, uh, I I just want to do it with such care. And he says, as I'm as I'm, I have a model here, and I'm kind of carving, and I'm 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 praying. I'm saying, I'm saying, Lord, help me do justice to this. Just help me do justice to this. And you can just feel that 
kind of the artistic plea, but also the affectionate, the affectionate plea in this. Lord, help me to do justice to this. So as he's, he's carving this, and as he as he shared that with me, it just it just struck me is Lord help me help me do justice to. Well, I thought about today, like help me do do justice to proclaiming who you are and what you've done for us. But I thought about it another way too. Lord, as you want to be formed in me, help me. I mean, if you did, if you did this, right, and, and on these tiny shoulders and you bore that cross then as a, as a young adult for me, help me. Lord, help me do justice to allowing you to just really enter in and, and, and reform my heart. Let me open myself up to you, God. So today, as, as we come to these baptisms, um, the really beautiful thing about what we're going to be doing is, is that these that are being baptized, and all, you know, I mean, in the, in the next service, we'll baptize a woman who's 85 years old. That's awesome. We'll baptize children. So we have, like, a, a range of children and young adults and adults and, and then this mature adult. And I... I just think about like this is like a, a powerful moment, and it can be a renewal moment for you as well, where you can say, "Thank you for sending your Son Jesus to bear all my sins in His body on the cross for me. By His wounds, I have been healed." Right. And, and, and healing still <laughs> by his wounds. Why? So that I might no longer live ignoring you, forgetting you, marginalizing you, trivializing you, forgetting you. Instead, I might live with you to be right. My Lord, my wonderful counselor, almighty God, Prince of Peace for my life and my relationships. Yeah. Everlasting Father for me. Yeah. So those that are going to be baptized, we bless you in Jesus' name. We're excited for you. We're glad for what God is doing in your life. For all of us who have been baptized, may it be a reminder to you that our brokenness has been met by his healing. You don't walk away from a gift like that. Not really. Not if you not if you understand what's been given. If you have walked away, it's a good moment to return. If you have forgotten, it's a good time to remember and renew. And I will tell you, Jesus did this for every person in the room, every person on the planet. All flesh, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with them or not, whether they look like you or not, in this baptism, we are saying that Jesus did this for the entire human race and everybody matters to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the joy of this day when we can come before you and celebrate who you are. And now in these baptisms, 
Oh God, help us even as we sing and observe the baptisms. May we find ourselves also filled with increasing desire to let you become for us what you have always wanted to be. Our healing, redeeming, restoring Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.